0: Log Talk Radio.
1: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Tito Rivera, and you are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. Tonight is going to be a very, very special night for us because we are joined by one of our rivals in Cubby's Cribs with Jake, their co-editor. Jake, how's it going tonight? Uh, It's going
0: great. Uh, Happy to be here. Uh, Even happier that we're going to have plenty to talk about tonight.
1: I know, right, because the offseason has been such a drag for pretty much all of baseball up until pretty, you know, tonight. And I'm not going to spoil the fun just yet, but if everybody's wondering why we're doing a co-podcast, I reached out to Cubby's Cribs not too long ago, and I thought it would be a great idea for, you know, to combine, you know, podcasts every now and then, to talk about the Cubs and Cardinals because that's what, you know, that's what it's all about, right, I guess, until now. And now that the Brewers have uh, made their moves and and staked their claim in the NL Central race. So uh, I do want to thank Jake for being here and the rest of uh, the Cubbies Cribs followers. Make sure you guys uh, uh, reach out to him and and check out his stuff. He does great work there, too. So let's get right into it. Obviously, the biggest news today is the trade for Christian Yelich and... Cannot forget the signing of Lorenzo Cain, both going to the Milwaukee Brewers, and all of a sudden, Cubs and Cardinal fans are all in hell, I guess. Jake, what's your thoughts so far?
0: Uh, More than anything, I've just really enjoyed watching Cubs fans, and I'm sure it's the same down there in Redbird Nation. Yeah, watching Cubs fans just absolutely explode in sheer panic just because (laughs) – The Brewers added Yelich and Kane, never mind the fact that virtually all of the top free agents outside of Kane and Carlos Santana are still free agents, and I would be willing to bet at least one of them ends up in the NL Central. But that doesn't matter. Right now, everyone is panicking. Apparently, the Brewers are some all-world organization now, and I, I honestly think it's it's really funny. I'm enjoying it.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll echo those sentiments, too, because, you know, you see a lot of, you know, the Cardinals Twitterverse, you know, saying, oh, my gosh, you know, what's going to what's gonna happen now? You know, they've got to make a move now, you know, this, and it's got to be done today, essentially, you know. And, and I'm kind of with you on this one, you know, that we know that the Brewers are not, you know, necessarily, you know, the favorite to win the NL Central, but they do make a riveting case for themselves by adding, you know, two outfielders. Now, I mean, because can you now you can imagine that Braun is probably going to stay, um, and you add guys like uh, Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, and it makes that outfield, you know, pretty much on par with the St. Louis Cardinals' uh, outfield. I mean, you would find you'd be hard pressed to find two teams with better outfields in the uh, in the entire National League and maybe in all of baseball. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, I actually. 100% agree. Um, I'm really interested to see what Milwaukee does with Domingo Santana now. He's coming off uh, an 848 OPS this year. Uh, sorry, 875 OPS this year. You know, an on-base percentage pushing 400. He smacked 30 homers. I mean, this kid's only 24 years old. He's got all the potential in the world. Now he's, he's facing this log jam situation you're not going to get someone to, to take on bronze money, but we're talking about a 24 year old in Santana who's not a free agent. So after 2022, like, man, that is some value. The, the brewers, if they don't go out and add a free agent starter, you know, you Darvish Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, Jake Arrieta, all they would have to do is flip someone like Santana to a pitching heavy ball club. And they might be able to address their rotation without touching anything. And I think that's, Pretty. That's a pretty enviable spot to be in.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you do bring up the rotation because one of the first things that I said once the Christian Yelich news came out was that their rotation was still pretty hot garbage. I mean, you and I were talking just before we, you know, got on and, and we talked about the pitchers that they added this off season. You know, Giovanni Gallardo and uh, Chassin, and those, you know, as you put it pretty nicely is that you know those aren't world beaters they're not gonna scare you you know you're still having to rely on a guy uh, like Zach Davies to repeat his you know his season from last year chase Anderson the same thing and as you mentioned you know Jimmy Nelson also being hurt and pretty much out for the for a good portion of the, of the beginning of the season at least it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see where the Brewers go from here as you mentioned now Obviously, you know you would have to expect the Brewers to probably go after Chris Archer pretty pretty hard, and uh, that would be a, a pretty big smack in the face to I think a lot of St. Louis Cardinal fans. And, and I say that because a lot of our time has been spent, at least for Cardinal Nation, has been spent on the Rays and whether the Cardinals were going to be able to acquire Alex Colomay and Chris Archer. But I want to get your opinion, Jake, on what do you think, if the Brewers do go get Chris Archer, what does that mean for the Cubs' perspective of how they stack up all of a sudden?
0: So I think, obviously, anytime you add a pitcher of Archer's caliber, your team takes a tremendous step forward. Um, Milwaukee would be no exception to that. I, I really like their bullpen a lot. Obviously, you've got Corey Knebel nailing things sound, uh, Jacob Barnes, Josh Hader. You've got some really solid arms there. You know, Chase Anderson, like you said, Anderson and Davies have to do what they did last year. Uh, Jimmy Nelson coming back mid-year, that's almost like, you know, making a trade to add a significant starter, uh, at the all-star breaker in the second half. So Archer would be huge for them. I think one top starter, I'm not talking a mid-level guy, a top-tier starting pitcher makes Milwaukee uh, – a, a much more viable threat right now. If they don't add another starter, they are not a division title contending team. They're just not. There's no way that Eric Haynes is going to do what he did the first month of last year. There's no way. And you mean right. to tell me that the Shaw is a 3,100 guy. Now he's done it once. It was, a, it was a great year. I'm happy for the guy. He got out of Boston, got an opportunity and he capitalized on it. So my hat's off to him. But I'm not buying that both of those guys are the players that we saw during their hot streaks last year. I think the Brewers as a team exceeded expectations. I think they outperformed what we should expect. But adding Kane and Yelich, that I mean, that that's nothing to turn your uh, turn your nose at if you're a Cardinals fan or a Cubs
1: fan. Yeah, it, it certainly is a good start. And, and I just want to throw this out for our listeners here: both the Cardinals and Cubs struggled against the Brewers last year. The Cubs had a 10 and 9 record during the regular season against the Brewers and the Cardinals actually had a worse record than that with an 8 and 11 win loss record in 2017. So you can imagine now that the Brewers are kind of sensing their, you know, putting their feet on the ground and starting to run a little bit. That's what they're gunning for. I mean, this is all going to be about the division racing, you know. It, it makes me think of you know, maybe about six, seven years ago when the Cubs, Cardinals, and Reds, or the, uh, I'm sorry, not the Cubs, <laughs> uh, uh, the Reds, Cardinals, and the Pirates were all kind of mingled into this big three-way clash for the NL Central, and the Cardinals obviously, were you know, came out on top, but that's where it's heading again, and it, it just makes me think, if the Brewers are able to go get somebody like a Chris Archer, that's that's pretty bad news. I I don't think that you know we would take them as lightly anymore. I mean I'm not taking them lightly, but that you know eight and eleven record for the Cardinals last year could easily be you know six and thirteen or something to that nature. And you know even for the Cubs it you might you might even see uh, an eight and eleven or nine and ten split. What you know, what do you make, Jake, of the of of the chances of the division being that important so early on in the season for the twenty eighteen year?
0: Well, I think you saw how important that first half of the season can be last year. I mean, for the majority of the season, the Cubs were looking up at Milwaukee. The Cubs hung right around that five hundred mark all year until pulling away late. And, you know, they were Five games back in Milwaukee at the break. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the the potential is definitely there to separate yourself early, and then that really puts the pressure on whoever's chasing you. You, you. I mean, you've got to show up every day, and you've got to grind out wins in it. I think you saw it in the postseason that that battle and that grind down the stretch really wore on the Cubs, and you know, by the time they got to the NLCS, they were just out of gas.
1: Yeah, and I and I think for the Cardinals you've obviously had a team that underperformed, severely underperformed and they could have, you know, easily just, you know, been there with the Cubs and, you know, in the final days. But like, like you said, you know, by the end of it, by the end of it, it was, it was just, it wasn't there. They had no urgency to win the games. And and I think that comes from, uh, a lack of respect in the NL Central because they had one of their worst division records uh, since the last time they had a losing record in 20, I think in 2007. And you just can't, you're not going to win if you can't beat your, you know, your opponents in your division. I mean, think about it this way. The Cubs beat the Cardinals 14 of the 19 games that they played last year. And that was the difference in the standings, those nine games that separated those two teams. And so if the Cardinals and if the Cubs want to maintain their position, but if the Cardinals want to get back to the top, they need to be taking care of business. But with Milwaukee making these moves, it makes it that much harder. And and I want to get to this next point here is now that we see what Milwaukee has done, Jake, let's start with you. What do you think the Cubs' response is going to be to this? Or are they even going to have a response?
0: Before spring training starts, the Cubs are going to add another starting pitcher. At this point, it's just a matter of who. I I honestly think it will be Darvish. I think the Cubs can offer him things that other teams can't or won't. Um, Obviously, some of the big fish are sitting it out due to luxury tax implications, but I would be floored if one of the top three starting pitcher free agents, so Cobb, Arietta, or Darvish, is not in a Cubs uniform in Mesa come February.
1: And so you think that do you think that's the only move that the Cubs will make in response to this or do you think that's that's it? Once they make that starting move pitcher move, that's it for, for them.
0: I think that's all they need to do. Uh, I mean, if you look up and down the Cubs lineup card, they're pretty well set. Um, You're going to have Contreras catching. He broke out last year. Obviously, Rizzo and Brian at the corners. You're going to have Javi and and Russell up the middle. In the outfield, you're going to have Schwarber, who dropped 20, 30 pounds. He looks like a completely different player. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw him at Cubs convention a couple weeks ago. I actually actually mistook him for Ian Happ um, when I walked past him. Um, it, it, it It's a very drastic difference. Um, Albert Elmore jr. Obviously he'll be in, in center and Hayward, uh, and right. And that still gives you Hap and Ben Zobrist off the bench, um, along with guys like Victor Caratini. Uh, I still wouldn't be surprised if John Jay came back, you know, just with how the market's going. Um, I mean, position player wise, there's not a whole lot the Cubs need to do. Do. I mean, they're they're very lucky. They've got a lineup top to bottom that has a very high ceiling. With several of those guys already pushing up against it, um, they already went out. They got Brandon Morrow, Steve Ciech, Dario Alvarez. You know, really focused on shoring up that bullpen. Um, it was pretty pretty solid during the regular season, but the wheels fell off uh, come October. Um, so I, I think that they're pretty set. I definitely don't want to go throwing four or five years at somebody like Greg Holland. Um, I just, that's not how I think the Cubs need to build a bullpen. So I think one starting pitcher, Cubs are, Cubs are good to go.
1: Yeah. And, and I would agree with that. I think the Cubs priority and we'll kind of hit on this uh, a little later in the show, but I think that, you know, if you had to, stake a claim on one priority for the Cubs right now, it's definitely starting pitching. And I think followed definitely by a, a back-end closer for sure. Um, and honestly, you could probably say the same thing for the St. Louis Cardinals except for switch those two. Um, I'm not sold on Luke Gregerson at all. And <laughs> I cannot believe that the, that John Mozeliak is actually saying, yeah, we're probably going to go forward with Luke Gregerson, but Hey, what do we know? Right. Um, I would flip those two and I would say that they need a, you know, a surefire closer and then they can go out and get starting pitching. But the problem is, and will always be until this year's over, is that the Cardinals signed Miles Nicholas. Then they still have Adam Wainwright and Michael Waka. And so, and Luke Weaver. And then you've got Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes in the waiting, you know, obviously Reyes coming back from Tommy John. So, the problem with getting a starting pitcher for the Cardinals, you know, sure, they can go get somebody. I'm sure if they wanted to get Jake Arietta, they probably could, or even Yu Darvish, uh, although I think Yu Darvish is, you know, looking for a different kind of market. But the problem is, is who do you take out of that rotation at all of a sudden? And the answer isn't as simple as everybody would probably make it out to be. And so, you know, if they're if – Cardinals are going to respond to a certain move like this from Milwaukee. Um, I think, you know, their first reaction would probably have to be starting pitching. Um, And, you know, I think you would agree with this, Jake, but, you know, your seasons are built on pitching and starting pitching is, you you know, you're only going to go as far as you're starting pitching. And if the Cardinals intend to contend, you know, that's where you have to go. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, you're fine. I mean, you saw that. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals and Cubs obviously play each other a ton every year. And if you look, look at how dominant. And it wasn't like the Cubs eked out the division and then got to the World Series two years ago. They dominated from opening day Mm -hmm. until the final day of the season because that rotation was just absolutely lights out. You had two out of the three uh, finalists for the Cy Young in John Lester and Kyle Hendricks. I mean, just top to bottom, they dominated. And they rode that up all the way to the World Series. And it, last year, you didn't see that. Lester struggled. John Lackey was, you know, serving up home runs left and right. Arietta <laughs> uh, was up and down. Um, I really like Hendricks a lot. Hendricks and Quintana are, are two of the most underrated and also consistent starters in the league. Um and it hurt the Cubs. Um, and you saw that, that Lester wasn't the same guy. Arietta figured it out down the stretch, was great in the postseason again as he always was. Um, but it makes such a huge difference. But I have a potential solution to your problem as an outsider who doesn't cover the Cardinals. I would love to you I personally obviously the Cubs are all in on the youth movement, building it from the bottom up and it's worked pretty well. What would you or other Cardinals fans think about, I know the ninth inning seems to be a precarious situation in St. Louis right now. Uh, you mean you, you mentioned Gregerson. That's not what I would call a shutdown option. No. Um, to clear a rotation spot, what if you handed the ninth inning to Wainwright?
1: You know, and that's an interesting scenario. Actually, my co-editor, uh, Dr. M- uh, Michael Miles, he wrote a piece on that, and he received some uh, very up-and-down remarks. I, and I think part of the reason is, is we're so accustomed to seeing closers throw in the mid to upper 90s. Wainwright doesn't have that anymore. Um, sure, he's, you know, he's got the curveball, but even that curveball isn't as good anymore. Uh, and you know he just had surgery again on his arm this off season while will albeit it was minor, but there's a lot of wear and tear on that body and sure he's got the experience, but I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on that. I would much rather see the Cardinals um use Michael Waka out of the closer's role and I wrote a piece on that. Saying that you know he's he could be just as good you know I I mean and I went into in depth analysis too you know I looked at Walker's fastball it was rated higher than uh, Wade Davis and Alex Colomay's. you know his cutter is as good as uh, uh, Wade Davis's cutter and Alex Colomay's cutter and um, Walker's changeup is even better than Wade Davis's changeup so I uh, you know. If I'm going to pick somebody from the rotation to, to bump out, it would be Michael Walker. Now, I, the reason I say that is this, and I want your take on this, is because how do you approach somebody like Adam Wainwright, who's on his last year of a contract making $19 million, $19.5 million, how do you approach that guy and say, hey, you're closing after being in the rotation for this long?
0: I mean, I would tell him, hey, buddy, you're going, this is your only chance at landing a solid deal when you hit the market because you're coming off a 4.62 ERA followed up with a 5.11. You know, you're, the, each of the last two years, Wainwright's given up more than 10 hits per nine. His strikeout to walk ratio is well below his career average. I, I mean, at that point, it, I think it could be a win win for both. But even if he doesn't close, I think Wainwright will not finish the year in the Cardinals rotation.
1: And I think I would agree with that as well. I think, you know, obviously the the prime years are, you know, long gone. Um, but he was a, you know, he was a linchpin for the Cardinals for so many years. I I just don't think that based on how this organization runs, I don't see them, uh, quote unquote, disrespecting Wainwright like that, if that makes sense. I just I just don't see them approaching him and saying, Hey, you're going to the bullpen. Maybe after a couple starts, if his you know, let's say he starts the year off and he you know, he does have that bloated ERA seven you know, seven point something, at that point I don't think you have much of a choice but to tell him, you know what, sorry man, but this is how it's gonna be. At that point, yeah, I could I could totally understand that. But I think the Cardinals are gonna give him every chance to start and see what he can do, um, and I, you know I fully expect him to retire after this year as well. So I, you know, I I just also I can't you know fathom saying that our closer makes 19.5 million dollars either. <laughs> so if you're not going to pay if you're not going to pay Wade Davis to to close your games out, then I can't imagine why they would put Wayne right there. But with that being said, we are going to go to our first break. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast joined by Jake from Cubby's Cribs. So stick with us. And welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm your host Tito and I'm joined by Jake from Cubby's Crib. Um, we just got done talking about Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, what that means for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs. Um, at this point, now that the market has kind of opened up, I mean, it's only been literally one team tonight. Jake, what do you make of the overall offseason? What is your reaction to this offseason? I think
0: that once this current collective bargaining agreement is up, we are going to see some very cutthroat negotiations. Um, I think that this off season has turned into a big game of chicken between organizations and free agents. Uh, and I think unfortunately the organizations seem to be holding all the cards at this point. Uh, I mean, three weeks from reporting to camp, I mean, these, these guys, we forget, these are human beings. They have spouses, they have children, they have, they have families, and they want to take care of them financially and now you're three weeks away from spring training starting, and you, most of these guys have no idea: are they going to be in Florida? Are they going to be in Arizona? Where where they're going to live during the season? I mean, they have no idea, so they're going to be forced to blink before the organizations do. And I it just I think that down the road there's going to be some very uncomfortable conversations uh, in the next CBA.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I you know when everything was going on about. Stanton to the Cardinals and whatnot. You know, I asked Craig Mish, you know, pretty much point blank, do do does he think the off season is actually affected by any of the CBA agreement in in regards to uh, compensation for qualifying offers? He didn't respond, which is okay. But I'm of the belief that that does also play a part because you know, teams aren't willing to go over the, you know, $50 million threshold. You know, obviously the Brewers just did, but they probably can afford to do that. Some of these other teams that are in rebuild mode or, you know, teams that don't want to pay the luxury tax, they can't afford to do that. So why would they go out and do something like that? You know, so I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, on what you think the qualifying offer or deal, does that play affect? to this, or or am I just crazy?
0: No, I, I think it definitely does. I just, I think it's hard for, I mean, national writers or, or even, you know, those of us in the fan-sided network to really put our finger on this, because I, I personally have never seen an off-season like this. I, I mean, normally, yeah. you want, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I want, you know, the Cardinals to trade for, you know, player X, or I want the Cubs to go out and sign this free agent. That's what I want for Christmas. And now here we are. Christmas was a month ago. A month right. ago today, we were all opening gifts. Everyone in Chicago was talking about how Alex or Yu Darvish, was going to sign within the next week. And none of it's happened. Uh, I think it's, it's, make, it's very difficult for us to accurately depict what's going on. I'm very interested to see how next year plays out, though, because that is a generational free agent class. So I'm very, very intrigued to see how organizations and front offices handle next year.
1: Right, and, I, and I'm glad you bring that up because I think more than anything, next year's free agent class is definitely hindering this year's free agent class for sure. Um, I mean, think of it this way. You know, look at J.D. Martinez. If the reports are true, you know, you're getting a five-year, $125 million and you're not signing that? Oh, come on, man. I think I mean I can understand that he's probably wanting more money, but at this point, what do you have to lose? You're gonna go to a good team. You're gonna get paid a lot of money. So, I, I you know at some point, yes, I, and and I guess this is to your point what you said earlier that the teams have all the cards, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the players are gonna have to come down on their asking price because I, I you know. 10 years ago, would you ever think that you would see a $400 million contract? Oh, no, not a chance. Right. And all of a sudden, that's all you ever hear that Bryce Harper is going to sign is a $400 million contract or whatever. And that's never happened in the game of baseball. And I don't honestly don't think it will happen. But if that is the case, you know, I can understand why players are frustrated and holding out because – they know, in a year's time, inflation is going to hit, and their 125 million actually would be valued at like 150 million. And that is, you know, something that is going to get keep getting pushed with all these big contracts. And so that's where I think you're finding this, you know, tug of war battle with teams and free agents because the free agents know that they're not getting the value, and the teams are saying, well. Why would I pay you that much money when I can go get the next be- best thing next year? And so that's that's where that's where we are with this off season. It's just a huge giant stalemate, and unfortunately, the fans are kind of suffering for it. And not to mention us here at FanSided, and I'm sure nationally as well. Um, there's nothing to write about. There's nothing to talk about. You know, you can only we can only put out so many. Alex Colomay articles before people are saying, okay, enough is enough. And I'm sure it's the same thing with with you guys. Now, it does help when certain things like the Wilson Contreras and the Yachty thing come up. That's always fun, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to that a little later. But it's very difficult for us to even really make sense of the baseball world right now. And and it's just kind of a a down thing. Uh, And Uh, I'll leave it at that, but let's go ahead and move on to a little bit more Cardinals-Cubs-centered discussion. And I think that's what most of our listeners are probably looking forward to the most. And, And I want to start out with just a couple of comments that Jason Hayward actually made not too long ago. And that was, He's going to be the Cubs NL MVP, you know, Cubs MVP in 2018. And I want to get your take on that before I give mine. Actually, I'll give mine first, and then I want you to to give your take. When I first saw those comments, my first reaction was, "There's just no way. You've been you've been too bad the last you know two and a half, almost three years. There's just no way you're going to be able to turn it around like that. And do I think he can do it? maybe but very little of me actually believes it and it's it sucks because i really like hayward as a player and he's a great defensive player don't get me wrong but i don't know if he can turn his offensive numbers around what do you think what did you make of his comments Mm
0: Um, I love it. It's one of the reasons why even two years into this monster deal, and though he's underperformed by pretty much any offensive measure, I'm still 100% on board with Jay Hay. Uh, I I really think that the Cubs' new hitting coach, Shilly Davis, is going to make a big difference for Hayward mentally. I think last year he made some great strides. He dropped his hands back lower in the zone from earlier in his career. He got to the ball. In a much shorter, quicker fashion, uh, his OPS jumped 85 points. I mean, he made very substantive strides over the year prior. His average was up 29 points. On-base um, percentage went up another 20 points. I mean, he hit 259. He's a career 262 hitter, um, and you've got he you got his fourth straight Gold Glove, fifth overall. So, I think it's very much in the realm of possibility. Um, I know that a lot of people are abandoning ship on Jason Hayward in year three of this deal, but I think he brings a tremendous amount of value to the table. I think he is a natural leader. And I think the fact that he, every off season is the first person down in Arizona working for the upcoming year. I think it sends a message to the young players. And I think it shows that he's not happy with where he's performing. He wants to be better and he's going to put in the work to get there.
1: Yeah, and and it's interesting that you bring up that contract as well because he doesn't really have much of a choice but to do really well. Um, And the Cubs have to expect him to do well because it is a player option after this year, correct?
0: Yeah, so he has the right to opt out after 2018 and 2019.
1: Uh, And 2019. 2019.
0: Yes, but the 2019 opt-out is dependent on him having 550 plate appearances um so by contrast each of the last year he did not hit that mark he only had 481 last year he did battle a hand injury that kept him out nearly a month so that'd be why he had 592 the year before so it's a it's a very attainable number but he'd have to stay healthy to hit it
1: right And, and so the reason i bring up the contract is because if even if he doesn't perform at this level he's not going anywhere because I don't think he's going to get a better deal than what he has right now. Um, And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. So I I just felt like initially the Cubs got kind of hand tied with this deal. Obviously if he performs, that's a different story, but they've, they've hand tied themselves with this deal because he does have that player opt out, which I don't expect him to exercise. Do you? No,
0: I, even if he goes out and he is the most valuable player on the Cubs this year, I think the faith that Joe Madden has shown in him, that the organization has shown in him, I think it really bodes well for the type of person he is, and I think he would re- reward that faith in sticking with the Cubs. And, I mean, even say he, you know, say he put up MVP caliber numbers this year and he opt out, He's leaving 110 million dollars on the table. You mean to tell me there's someone on the market right now who's going to give Jason Hayward five and 110? There's no way.
1: No, not even possible. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So, so then I, let's let's switch over to the Cardinals here. And recently, some comments were made. Um, Tommy Pham actually, you know, caught up some wind that somebody actually is pinning him to be the NL MVP, that's National League MVP, not the Cardinals MVP, but the National League MVP for 2018. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this, and then I'm going to give you a buy or sell scenario. I'm not buying
0: into it. I need to see – I'm big on consistency. I need to see it year in and year out. We're talking about a guy heading into his age 30 season who's hit over 300 one time. That was last year. Uh, You know, I just think he was so good last year that I I see him as a very valuable outfielder. Um, I see him as a centerpiece for the Cardinals outfield right out there with Dexter Fowler and obviously Marcelo Zuna, but an NL MVP candidate, I think that's, I think you're jumping the gun a little bit.
1: Yeah. And and I think so too. I'm sure if he ever listened to this, but he probably wouldn't, um, I don't think he can be the NL MVP. I just don't think he has... he. I don't think he has that in him. Um, if he were able to consistently do, like you say, have that consistency and consistently put up the numbers he did last year, that's a different story. That might actually happen, but there's got to be some regression that's coming his way. And, and so there... Knowing that right now, knowing where you stand and where I stand, who has the better season, Jason Hayward or Tommy Pham?
0: I think it'll be Jason Hayward. I think he's going to keep improving offensively. Defensively, you can't ask for more than what he gives, as Cardinal fans know. I mean, he is the the cream of the crop in right field. I think Mm -hmm. he's going to hit 260, 270, you know – All I'm looking for is, you know, hit 270, give me a 330 on base percentage, you know, 15 homers, 60, 70 RBIs, and gold glove defense. With how deep the Cubs lineup is, that's all you need out of him. You need him to give serviceable at-bats. You need him to understand situational hitting. And you need him to be a leader. If you do those things, I think overall it'll be a great season. And I think, like I said, Chili Davis is big on the mental side of things. He doesn't – get into the physical side of hitting. And I think that's the last piece for, for Jason is just getting his head right, staying loose and delivering. I And I, I think that Tommy Pham is just, he's bound to regret. I would be shocked if he put up the same numbers he did last year because he was so good all year long.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, We're actually going to have our first disagreement here tonight uh, because we've been pretty much in agreement with everything. But I I actually think Tommy Fama is going to have the better year than Jason Hayward. And uh, I think they're almost a mirror image of each other in a way. You know, they both struggle for, you know, they haven't had the consistency in a while, and they both have something to prove. Jason Hayward, not many believe him that he can actually do it. Same thing with Tommy Pham. Not everybody thinks that Tommy Pham is going to go out and do what he did last year. Um, so there's, they both have similar paths for the 2018 season. The reason I say Tommy Pham is going to have a better year is because he sits higher up in the order. I mean, that's to no fault of you know your guys' order, obviously, because it's just that stacked. But he sits higher up in the order. He's going to have opportunities to to be the player that he was. And he's still pretty good in center field. I mean, he's going to be 30 years old. He still moves really well. I mean, he was a 20-20 guy last year, almost a 25-25. Um, he still moves really well. And I think, you know, he probably doesn't have the arm Jason Hayward has but he's got the range that Jason Hayward has. And so I I just think Jason Hayward's struggles, I don't think that they're going to be solved this next year because it's, you know, one year with Chili Davis. I think Tommy Pham is starting to figure it out. Uh, You know, I'll be really late in his career, but he's starting to figure it out. And I think he will actually uh, have a better season than Jason Hayward. And, you know, that's not me being biased either. I'm trying to give my honest opinion on that one too. Um, I, I just don't see Jason Hayward being as good as he thinks he is going to be. I would sure love for him to see it because that makes for competitive games. And I think, you know, you and I would both agree that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we want between the two teams is a competitive, you know, competitive uh, race at the end of the day. I'm just not I'm not sold on on Jason Hayward beating out Tommy Fan this year, and I guess obviously time will tell with that one. Um, so let's go ahead and let's switch off of the you know the right field. I want to get your reaction or I want to get your thoughts on this. With Schwarber losing as many pounds as he did, um, do you buy do you buy into his resurgence this year?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, 100%. I think I think one we're talking about a kid who is still he's only 24. He doesn't turn 25 until March. So he's still a really young kid. I think how he burst onto the scene, you know, hit those hit big home runs in the division series in 2015 against the Cardinals, you know, such an improbable comeback after blowing out his knee and having multiple surgeries comes back and just, you know, looks – he doesn't miss a beat in the World Series. You know, he, he comes in, he hits over, over 400 as the team's designated hitter. I mean, I think expectations just got too high. And, and he was he's a young kid. He was in his age 24 season. You know, if the worst season Kyle Schwarber ever has is 30 homers and 59 RBIs, I will gladly take that. I think his defense will improve with the increased athleticism. And I think you're going to see him get back to what he did really well in college and in the minors, not so much hitting home runs, but just hitting bullets all over the field. That's when he's at his most dangerous. If Schwarber is driving the ball to left center field, you're in trouble because it means he's got you squared up and he really, truly does have all field power. So I think that he, he, his mindset's right. He did what he needed to do to take care of his body. He's got a full year under his belt now with the surgically repaired knee I, after as gruesome of an injury as it was, I can't help but think that that has to linger in the back of your mind, uh, especially with how he plays. I think a year removed from that, I think you're going to see Kyle Schwarber not so much as a home run hitter, but just as a line drive hitter using the whole field.
1: Yeah, and and here's the thing. Um, his situation reminds me somewhat of Matt Adams uh, with the weight loss and all that good stuff to, you know, to – be healthier. However, obviously, Kyle Schwarber is 10 times the player that Matt Adams is, so that's besides the point. What I, what I don't buy about Schwarber, though, is, is, is if he is going to lose some of the power with that weight loss. Um, obviously, you know, he can still build some muscle, but is he going to be that 30 guy that you want him to be, that 30 home run guy you want him to be? And as much as, you know, as much as, as much weight as he has lost, you know, that improves his mobility in the outfield, but it doesn't make him an outfielder. And, and I think, you know, he's getting the time that he, he needs to, to keep, continue to work towards playing in the outfield all the time, but that's not, the, you know, it just doesn't happen overnight and I'm, you know, and I know you know that, but. Interestingly yeah, I mean,
0: enough, yeah. Go ahead. I was just, it, it's not going to come overnight. It's going to come with reps, and I can tell you from seeing uh, Schwarber in person that he hasn't lost muscle. The dude is a tank. I mean, it is. As someone who's like trying actively trying to be in better shape and take better care of myself, if I come out the other side looking like Kyle Schwarber, I will be an absolute animal, and I will be so happy <laughs> because this guy. You would have a better chance running through a wall right now than running through Schwarber because all that's yeah. left on him is muscle. Yeah, I was really impressed. And like you said, I, I that's not even as like a diehard Cubs fan. That was just as right. just one person to another. I was Lord, I saw him and I actually like I said, I thought he was Ian Happ, and so did my brother in law. And he turns around and we see him on the screen and I was like, Oh my god. I mean, he should
1: Muscle, lean muscle. Yeah, out, just, a so. di- just a different person, apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm really excited, I, I, and I, I still think that, you know, another year from that injury helps him a lot mentally. Physically, I think, you you know, maybe he goes a little harder, pushes a little farther. Um, like you said with Fam, time will tell, but I think you're going to see much closer to the guy that we all heard about after the Cubs drafted him, you know, that you saw in 2015, that you saw in the World Series. Much more consistent, uh, not so much a slugger, but but more of just a
1: hitter. Right, and, and I, wanna, I want to I want to quickly talk about the addition of Marcelo Zuna to the to the Cardinals. You know, obviously the Cardinals were all you know were all out <clears> on <throat> getting a, a big bat, and that was their pretty much their main priority this off season. They went out and got. Ozuna from the Marlins. Do you buy him having the same type of year that he did last year?
0: I don't know if he has the same type of year because I think he benefited a great deal from people working around Stanton in Miami. Sure. I don't think I don't think the Cardinals have that type of guy to pair him with. But as it stands right now, I think you can more you can project what you're going to get out of fam fowler and ozuna you can pretty much get a good grasp what you're going to get from them i think the cubs outfield if it's schwarber hayward and almora i think they have the higher ceiling i think they have more potential but i think it's very hard to look at them right now and and project what they're going to do because i think the youth is a huge part of this um I I think the Cubs have a more talented outfield, but I think the Cardinals have a very consistent, very potent uh, trio out there. And, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Ozuna. I mean, the guy gets no love for what he did last year. All anyone cared about down there was Stanton. But, man. Well, he
1: certainly, yeah, I mean, he's certainly going to feel the love in St. Louis. I mean, (laughs) we're known for our standing ovations, and I would be – wouldn't be surprised if he received one uh, as his name is announced on opening day. Um, it's funny that you say that the, the Cubs actually have a, talented, a more talented outfield, but I want to get back to that. We're going to take our last break real quick. You're listening to the official Redbird Man's podcast, joined by Cubby's Crib. Stay with us. And welcome back to the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Tito. I'm joined by Jake from Cubby's Crib. We just got kind of talking about the uh, the Cardinals and Cubs outfield, comparing them and, and going into that. And, Jake, you left us with saying that the Cubs were a more – the Cubs outfielders were more talented and have the higher ceiling. Um, is that directly because of their youth, or are you just saying that's just skill-wise they are that good? I I I think think.
0: that, yeah, exactly. I think, like I said, so earlier today, I actually broke down the Cubs and Cardinals in terms of position players. And I actually said the Cardinals have a slight edge over the Cubs right now because Albert Elmora Jr. has all the tools to be a Gold Glove center fielder. You know, he's hit, he hit about 300 last year. He's a great young player. Schwarber, we've already went into him. He's got to be better defensively. He can't hit 211 again. That's not going to fly. Hayward needs to keep making strides. I think all of them have tremendously high ceilings. I think Jason Hayward, I think we all forget that he's still in his 20s. I mean, he's he's still a young player. And I think the, they are all capable of much bigger things than a combination of Fowler, FAM, and Ozuna. But it's far from a sure thing. I think the safer bet is going with, with what the Cardinals have. I think you know what you're going to get more. Almora might hit 300 or he might hit 240. I mean, the guy doesn't work counts. He doesn't draw walks. He's got to change that or pitchers are going to pick him apart. But if he can make those adjustments, he could be a 300 hitter with elite defense and center field. It, it's just you don't know what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, and and I, I, I don't know if that the Cubs are more talented I think they're just so much younger that the ceiling is there. And there's no – it's like you're saying, there's no telling what could happen. But I I, I think the Cardinals' outfield is just – it's so well put together. I mean, you could interchange Ozuna and Tommy Pham in center and left, uh, and you could interchange all three of those outfielders in those positions. Now, obviously, you know, the big gripe all of a sudden now is Dexter Fowler can't play center field. That's okay. But all three of them could play center field if you actually gave them a chance. And that's a good thing to have. That's a good problem to have for sure. Now the question is, is how are all three of them going to put their seasons together? Because the Cardinals lineup as you mentioned, doesn't have the protection that Ozuna had. He is our protection all of a sudden. So do pitchers pitch around him to get to the other guys like Fowler um, or even, you know, Yadier Molina and people down like that or down the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how they put their seasons together to combine because, uh, honestly, on paper right now, is there, in your opinion, is there a better outfielder than the Cardinals in Major League Baseball or in the NL?
0: Probably not in the NL. I would say the Yankees probably in the AL. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, yeah, that that might be fair. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, well, who would I compare them to? And I was like, okay, well, the Cubs could be that good, but they're not, they haven't shown it year in, year out, so they're not in it. And you know, I'm not buying what the Giants are doing. I'm just not. No, um, no. I think if you were building a team five years ago, those would be great names to go after. But yeah, you're not. Uh, but <laughs> what the Yankees, what the Yankees have built, is it's so good for baseball. They are going to be so hated again. It is so good for the game to have a lineup that deep again. and, and it's not like it, it's all veterans. They've got. A ton of young prospects. Uh, Cubs fans obviously know Gleyber Torres. He could get a shot at a middle infield job. Um, he went over there in the Chapman deal. You know that bullpen's loaded. I mean, the Yankees are the real deal. Everyone's talking about Houston, but God, don't sleep on on the guys in the Bronx.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think anybody would want to uh, sleep on Aaron Judge and and John Carlos Stanton for sure. And you know. He, I would like to see Aaron Hicks get some more playing time this year, too. I think he can be a really, really nice player for them in center. Um, Yeah, it's tough because I think overall if you're looking for star power attraction, yeah, there's no doubt that the the, the New York Yankees have it. Um, But what's going to happen with Aaron Judge? Is he going to stay consistent? You know, I don't expect him to have the same kind of year he did last year. I mean, you kind of even saw at the end of last year, where he went through that major slump and my fantasy team took a toll because of it, um, but that's that's kind of where I see him regressing to slightly. Hopefully he doesn't regress that much, but I, I just think overall the outfield in St. Louis is probably it's probably you know top two outfields in in baseball right now, and you could probably interswitch. The Yankees and and the Cardinals on that one, but I, I I do want to get back to the rest of the positions for the two teams because I you know I I found it very interesting that you mentioned that you give the Cardinals the slight edge overall in positions, and and so what I'd like to do um, is kind of go one by one just kind of quickly over all the positions and we'll, we'll start with the starting rotations. I personally think the the Cubs still have a better rotation than the Cardinals, but it's not by much. What do you think? Yeah,
0: I think the Cubs can put the nail in that coffin. If they go out and land Darvish, outside of Washington, they've got the best rotation in the league. Um, even if you add somebody like Cobb, I, I think that's enough. They definitely have the best rotation in the division. Um, but right now, if if the season started today, it would be close. I think it would be interesting because St. Louis would be relying on some of their younger guys to really step up for the first time. Um, obviously, the organization has such a storied history of doing that, but it would be interesting to see if, if they could get several guys to do it all
1: at once. Okay, so let's go ahead and move to first base. Obviously, Anthony Rizzo versus Matt Carpenter isn't much of a contest, but Matt Carpenter, if he has a great year, if he can get back to his, you know, 300 hitting, um, it's it's a lot closer than it actually would be, right?
0: Um, I, I still think Rizzo is just leaps and bounds a better
1: player overall. I, I mean, I'm I'm not I don't won't I, I won't disagree with that for sure.
0: I mean, you're you know you're gonna get 30 and 100 and Gold Glove defense not to mention the face of the franchise. He's a great clubhouse leader. He's huge. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. it's hard to find something wrong with Rizzo. Um, You know, last year, Carpenter, I mean, something was off, clearly. He hit 30 points lower than than he did the year before. On-base percentage is still there. I mean, if a down year is a 384 on on-base, I'll take that any day of the week, but I think just, he's
1: a, he's a walk machine, man. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, I, I think just Rizzo just is the full, sure. I mean, power. I, I love watching him hit with two strikes. I've never seen a first baseman shorten up and just put the ball in play like he does. Um, I, I think he's just all around. Carpenter's a great player, but Rizzo's just better.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Let's go up the middle. Let's, you know, do you take Javi Baez and Addison Russell over Paulie Young and Colton Wong? Um,
0: so in my article today, I put it as a toss-up, um, and it's based strictly on what is Addison Russell going to be. Um, is he ever going to, you know, get above 250 for an average? Is he the, you know, 20-plus homer, 95 RBI guy from two years ago, or is he the player we saw in 2017 who battled off-the-field issues, injury? never really found his groove. Um, is he going to be a subpar hitter who is great with the glove, or is he going to be an all-around package that you can pair with Javi Baez up the middle and give you one of the best double play combos in the game? So, for me, Addison Russell is a huge X factor. Um, obviously, Paul DeYoung was a stud last year. Colton Wong, uh, like I said, you know Wong put up really solid numbers last year, too. He doesn't get as much love. Um, so I honestly, I think that this one could be accurately labeled as a toss up.
1: Yeah. If you're, if you're going to talk defense, I'm definitely going (laughs) Javi and Addison Russell. And there's no question about that. But if I, if I'm going for overall, I think I would, I would probably take the Cardinals middle infield right now. I think they balance well. Um, I think Paul DeYoung, young, as long as he can avoid the sophomore slump he's going have he's going continue to to show uh, some great power out of the shortstop position, which is something the Cardinals have not never really had um at least in the my lifetime <laughs> um and, and Colton Wong's starting to figure it out um he's raised his you know he's raised his average up his OBP has gone up every single year uh since since his uh start to his uh, his career, so he's starting to figure it out at this point, and, and that's good news for for the Cardinals. Now, the one thing with Colt Wong is can he stay healthy, and, and that would be something to look for this next year. And, but I would probably go, um, I would probably go middle infield with the Cardinals. Now, third baseman, I'm not even going to debate this because the Cardinals uh you know they have Jerko but that's nothing compared to Chris Bryant and uh, you don't even need to say anything so I'll, I'll save you I'll save you the uh the thoughts there
0: Yeah I think I think that's I think that's fair <laughs>
1: Yeah yeah I mean I I am interested though because Bryant had almost similar numbers to his MVP year and he had a fall off it, it seemed like he had a fall off don't don't wouldn't you agree
0: uh, I I think the only way Chris Bryan had a fall off is if you judge an offensive player's season by runs batted in, and I think we're so far past that in today's yeah. game. I mean, yeah. the dude put up a career-high OPS, and Cubs fans are ready to bench him halfway through the season <laughs> because, because he doesn't have 40 OPS. home runs. It's, it's insane. I, I will say this. Winning changes people, and it has changed mm-hmm. Cubs fans, and it's not for the
1: better. At what way? I don't. I mean this in the most respectful way possible. But welcome to a Cardinals fan's life, man. That that is just that's just the truth. Um, and the and now that I live in Kansas City, it's the same freaking thing out here. So don't worry about that. And that'll pass in time. Okay. So um, bullpen, I think is a toss up. I I don't think there is one better than the other. And I think there is much to be that. Says a lot about the off season. What do you think? Yeah,
0: I mean, I so I read uh, an interview with uh, Theo Epstein from earlier today. Brandon Morrow is the Cubs' closer. That is a he, that is his role. It is not a closer by committee. The ninth inning belongs tomorrow. That being said, I'm more comfortable giving the ball to him than I would be in St. Louis giving it to Luke Gregerson. That's just my two cents. I feel like we're probably on the same page there. But like you said, there's just there's a lack of star power in both bullpens, and I think that's what's throwing me off personally. You don't have a Wade Davis or a Aroldis Chapman in the ninth. Um, yeah
1: Brandon no Trevor I mean, Rosen this, and no Trevor Rosen for us. so
0: yeah, so I, I think I think that they both could be very solid bullpens. I expect them to both be
1: solid bullpens.
0: Um, but I think it's just a lack of star power that maybe on paper makes them a little less appealing.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. And and let's let's get to the cream of the crop because we all know where this is going to go. It's Yadier Molina versus Wilson Contreras and obviously with all the stuff that went on over the last 2 weeks, where do you stand with his comments? I I I want to I want to believe that Contreras is sincere. But I, I'm just curious as to how you how you viewed his comments.
0: I, I genuinely view – Wilson re, truly gives so much respect to the guys who laid the foundation for what he's trying to do. I know for a fact that he has nothing but respect for guys like Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. I think that just – I mean, and you see it even when – just in the head-to-head matchups. This kid is so passionate. He wants to win. He wants to be the best. He wants to make his team better. And I think that that's what you see. He doesn't do anything less than 120%. I mean, he's going full throttle all the time, and it causes mistakes. I mean, he led the National League in errors by catchers last year. He let some throws go that were fantastic to nail runners. He let some that sailed into right field. I mean, it happens – but he's just so all out that I think he just wants it to be known that he wants to be mentioned with guys like Posey and Molina, you know, 10 years down the road, he wants to be the yachty in baseball. And I think that's good. I think we need more players like, like that, that are, you know, very vocal about what they want and they want to help their team win and they want to be the best. I think that's good for the game.
1: Yeah, and, and this is the thing with Wilson Contreras' comments. It's I don't think it was so much disrespectful as as much as as people made it out to be. But I think it caught people off guard when he was saying when he says, you know, I, I I'm I'm already good. I, I think when he says, I don't even watch tape on them anymore. I just watch myself. I think that comes off as as arrogant. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But I think that's where where people got caught up on, A- and and I think that's where and Molina got caught up on is, is that you're saying, hey, you're not even gonna uh, you're not even going to you know uh, you know keep watching us even though we've done this for so long and you you know you're just starting your what is it his se- second full year of catching um, and you're just gonna dismiss us like that. And, and that's where I think it came from. It, whether it was justified or whatever, uh, I personally like it because, it, you know, it just adds to the rivalry. It adds to the Cardinals and Cubs rivalry, and come April 16th when they meet for the first time, uh, I would be willing to bet that I'm sure they, those two will shake hands or they will say something to each other. Uh, but I, I would love to see some, you know, some passion behind that. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I I think it's, you know, Yachty's winding down. You know, he's on the back nine for his career, still a tremendous Mm -hmm. player, probably the best Mm -hmm. game caller there is in in baseball. But there's going to be a changing of the guard in the next few years. And Contreras showed, I mean, he is the real deal. He's got a cannon for an arm. He needs to, you know, he needs to slow the game down. I think that's the one thing we really saw from him last year is he gets caught up in the moment. But I, I think... As far as not watching tape, I think it's, at least this is just me, someone who watches him play, you know, every night. I think that Wilson knows that the best thing he can do right now is focus on himself. He's got issues. He's got shortcomings. And I think that he's not going to watch tape of Buster Posey or Yachty Molina because he's got his own stuff that he needs to focus on. And he knows that he knows that he's a good player But there is still a lot of room for growth as far as a defensive catcher, as a game caller, you know, just slowing the game down and and maturing mentally. He's got a lot of personal stuff he needs to work on, and I think that he needs to avoid getting sucked into emulating other players. He's got the talent. He just needs to rein in the focus and and get the job done.
1: Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. I, I want, And everybody should be clear on this. Wilson Contreras is a good player. He is easily going to be the best catcher in the NL Central in maybe a year and a half's time. There's no question about that. You know, you can see it in his play. I I think where Yachty feels a little disrespected is is that, you know, they've been doing this for so long. You know, Yachty and Molina had you know eight straight Gold Gloves. You don't you rarely see that anymore from a catcher. Um, and and the intangibles that come with Yadier Molina's name, you know, you don't earn, you know, you don't you don't earn that any other way but by being the best. And 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 I understand. That, and and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with Wilson Contreras saying, "Hey, I want to be the best catcher." There's nothing wrong with that. I, I have no problem with that at all. But I think Yadier Molina has a problem with it because he still feels like he is the best catcher and he will be until he retires in the 2020 season. And, and that's okay too, but I think we all have to be realistic about it as well. I mean, that that's probably not going to be the case. And that's unfortunate because once Yachty retires, I might as well retire myself. So (laughs) I'm not ready for that day. You might be, but I'm not ready for that day.
0: Yeah, I I think that's what's made, uh, you know, this core that the Cubs have assembled so exciting is the longevity of it. All these guys are in their mid-20s, and, you know, they've avoided, you know, jumping at deals that maybe didn't suit them but did address the needs, say, trading someone like Baez or Hap for pitching. But this position player core has such a high upside with such control. It's really great to, to, as a fan, especially here in Chicago, you know, to get to enjoy that, you know, three straight 90-win seasons, you know, three straight NLCS, a World Series title. It's great to watch these guys grow because they are all so young. So it's really exciting to think, you know, 15 years down the road, you know, Wilson Contreras could be in Yachty or Molina's shoes where he's built this track record of success through hard work and, and just, you know, being a leader. It's really exciting to try and project and see which, you know, which of these guys are still here 15 years from now and have built a legacy like like Yachty has. It's I mean, there's no disputing. Yachty's, Yachty's amazing. He always has been. Hall of Fame, for sure. Um, someday we'll be watching, you know, Hall of Fame results come in like we did yesterday and it'll be Yadier Molina on there. And um it's just it's it's a good time I think for fans in the NL Central. I think the Cardinals are are going to be good, the Brewers clearly are going for it, the Cubs are good. It's going to be really exciting this year to watch those three teams battle.
1: Yeah, and, and I can't put it any better than what you just said, you know, it it will be an exciting time and I think the Cardinals um, they're going to start their own youth movement here pretty soon as well and uh, and emulate a little bit of what the Cubs have done. But we are out of time. Jake, I want to thank you for jumping on with us tonight. Uh, it was such a pleasure, and it's great to meet you kind of virtually. So thank you um, for for being here with us. We are hoping that we can bring this kind of podcast to you guys, our listeners, uh, throughout the year, when the Cubs and Cardinals clash over the season, um, and then maybe at the uh, at the end of the year, we'll see where the postseason is and and how we how we get there. Um, but for for Cubbies Cribs and Redbird Brands, I'm gonna leave you guys with a good night, and we'll see you later.